Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we continue to worship uh, by attending to your word. Um, we ask that you would minister to us. We need, uh, we need the constant filling from your word, uh, the constant shaping, the constant reminders. Um, and uh, we are grateful, Lord, for the way you have designed life to be lived, that we might be reminded often of your word. So guide us now. Lead us now. Help us to worship as we attend, pay attention, and so forth. Clear away distractions, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about faithfulness today. I've been impressed recently with the need for faithfulness among believers. Well, for the general need of faithfulness, but even among believers, with the importance of faithfulness. On Wednesday nights, for instance, one of the, one of the factors that is played into my focus on faithfulness is uh, our study on Wednesday nights. We've been going through the book of Revelation. And faithfulness is a, key, is a key virtue that's modeled in the book of Revelation, particularly from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful and true witness. When he comes back, uh, he, he's the one who is called faithful and true. Uh, Revelation 3.14, he's referred to as the Amen the faithful and true witness. And the word amen comes from a Hebrew word that means faithful. But not only is Jesus a faithful witness, but Christians are also called to be faithful witnesses in the book of Revelation, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's unpopular, even when it's unwanted, even when it's painful. Revelation 2.10 encourages us, be faithful, be faithful. Even in the midst of persecution, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Faithfulness in this life yields reward in the next. A few verses later, Jesus says, Only hold fast what you have until I come. Hold fast what you have until I come. Be faithful. Just hold on to what I have given you until I come. And verse 26 goes on and promises reward for those who are faithful. I also read an article recently where there's a a professor at Princeton who has been lamenting studies that he's been reading that indicate an exchange of values taking place in our country. Civic values of religion and patriotism and community involvement are being replaced by, no surprise, by seeking after money and seeking after pleasure, by consumerism and hedonism. And this professor has been on somewhat of a personal, but more than a personal crusade, with various legislators and pastors and civic leaders to have June declared Fidelity Month. Fidelity, faithfulness. Faithfulness. You know, you think of someone who's committed infidelity. That's unfaithfulness. So fidelity means faithfulness. He would have us celebrate and promote fidelity to God and to spouses and family and to country and to our communities. And then this week, as I was uh, working through some of the thoughts on this sermon, I heard an interview with Al Mohler. Al Mohler is a prominent theologian in the Southern Baptist Convention. He's a seminary president and a prolific author. And the first question that was asked him was, what is the most pressing issue facing the church today? And this was his response. As I was working my sermon, this was his response. I think it's just the bottom line question of faithfulness. That's the pressing issue for the church. Is the church going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and stand by the entirety of of biblical truth. Everything else is derivative of that great challenge. And then 
there's another, another factor that's been having me think about faithfulness as a sterling example of it in a man by the name of Calvin Robinson. Calvin Robinson is, uh, was a pastor in the Anglican Church in England a couple months ago at Oxford. He was in the midst of a debate where he delivered a speech. Uh, the Anglican Church, the leaders of the Anglican Church at that time were considering uh, endorsing or revising their creed, if you will, to include the affirmation of, excuse me, of gay marriage. Um, and he came to Oxford to deliver a speech rebutting that in the face of his upper echelon authorities and so forth. And I just want to read to you just a little bit of that speech that was delivered in somewhat of a hostile environment. Read to you just a little bit of that as an example of a man who is being faithful to the Lord in the face of his denominational leaders who are pro-gay marriage and zealously so. And here's some of what he said. He said, why am I anxious about this speech? We are up against the authorities, three bishops from the established church. That means either I am wrong and Christians have been teaching incorrectly on marriage for 2,000 years, or we have church leaders attempting to drag the church into apostasy. The consequences are severe. This debate is not just happening within this chamber. The House of Bishops is debating this very topic as we speak. There is a growing number of vocal bishops who want to change the church's teaching on marriage, the result being the spiritual neglect of Anglicans up and down the country. He goes on to say a little bit later in the speech, I'm I'm just summarizing here, but he says, you do not have the authority. He says to his leaders, you do not have the authority to bless sin. When I hear the Bishop of London on record saying these new prayers that are being written will mean priests can bless same-sex relationships, some of which will be sexual in nature, I hear the devil at work. Bishops are promoting the idea of sacramental sodomy. Let them be anathema, repent, he says. And to the rest of you, I have no doubt some of you will consider me a bigot, a homophobe, but I am neither of those things. I am simply a follower of Christ, a Christian. We are naturally countercultural, and if the so-called liberals were truly diverse and tolerant, they would embrace us just as they embrace everyone else. And he concludes this message by saying, if the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. Here is an example of a person being faithful to the Lord. It's an example of a man being faithful to the word of the Lord. Remember Al Mohler's question, what is the most pressing issue facing the church? And he answered the question, faithfulness, faithfulness. And that's what I want to talk about today is this whole issue of faithfulness. Um, Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Many a man, many an individual proclaims their faithfulness, but who can find a faithful individual? In other words, actual faithfulness is hard to find. Actual trustworthiness is hard to find. A lot of people may talk the talk, but they may not walk the walk when it comes to being faithful, whether it comes to being faithful to the Lord or faithful in their marriages, or faithful at their place of work. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, hear, I hear story after story of employers looking for people, and then they hire someone, and the person then doesn't even show up for work the first day, or they show up for a day or two, and then they just quit. Um, the, the, the difficulty just in terms of genuine faithfulness even in the workplace 
So I want to talk a little bit about faithfulness today. There's a great need for faithfulness, for fidelity in every area of life. So we'll say a little bit about God's faithfulness. We'll say a little bit about our own faithfulness and then a little bit about how to become faithful. So number one, let's just talk about God's faithfulness. Um, The good news is that God is faithful. That's who he is by definition. That truth about God is found throughout the scriptures. For instance, Psalm 5710, your faithfulness, God, reaches the clouds. Or Psalm 100, verse 5, his faithfulness endures through all generations. Or Lamentations 3.23, great is your faithfulness. God's faithfulness is demonstrated in the fact that he is faithful, for instance, to his covenants. He's faithful to his covenants. Because he was faithful to his covenant, or he is still faithful to his covenant with Noah, we have not experienced a global flood since the days of Noah. And the rainbow in the sky is the sign of that covenant. Because he was faithful to his covenant with Abraham, he brought Abraham's descendants out of Egypt. Because God was faithful to his covenant with David, a son of David sits on the throne of David for eternity, and that son is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's faithfulness to his covenant with David. Of course, Jesus is much more than that, but that's one thing that Jesus is. Because he is faithful, because God is faithful to his new covenant in Christ's blood, we have forgiveness of sins, and that will never change. God is faithful to his covenants. He is also faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his promises. At the end of his life, Joshua says to Israel, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed Every promise has been fulfilled, not one has failed. And then when he dedicated the new temple, King Solomon prayed this. He said, may the, may the Lord be praised. He has given rest to his people Israel according to all he has said. Not one of all the good promises he made through his servant Moses has failed. And then we read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. As God is faithful... God is faithful. Our message to you is not yes and no. For every one of God's promises is yes in him, in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the amen is also spoken through him by us for God's glory. In other words, Jesus Christ is the answer to all of God's promises. Every promise that God has made is fulfilled or will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the sign of God's faithfulness. There are a couple words for faithful in the Old Testament, a couple Hebrew words for faithful in the Old Testament. I know you weren't looking for a Hebrew, uh, Hebrew lesson, so we'll, we'll just make it real short. Okay? There's, this, there's this word that I'm going to butcher, but I believe it's pronounced emunah, emunah. It literally means firmness. It means to be its firmness. Figure, it's used figuratively speaking to mean fidelity or steadfastness or stability or truth or often faithfulness. So think back to the Old Testament, your Old Testament history in Exodus chapter 17. The Israelites and the amount the Israelites have just recently come out of Egypt and they are in pitched battle with the uh, Amalekites and Joshua is leading them in battle. 
And the scene is that Moses is up on a hilltop overlooking the scene of the battle. And, as, and he has promised to pray for Israel and to stand there. And as he stands, he, he has his hands lifted up and he holds the staff of the Lord in his hands. And as the report goes, as long as his hands were lifted up, Israel prevailed. But when he got tired and his arms dropped, then Amalek, the Amalekites, would prevail. So Aaron and another guy named Hur are there with Moses, and they're seeing this happen, and they think, let's not let his hands drop. (laughs) So this is what we read then in Exodus 17. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. And that word steady there is our word emunah. Okay? That's what God's faithfulness is. His faithfulness is his steadiness. All right? Aaron and Hur made sure that Moses' hands would not be going like this all the time. They were going to make him steady and they did, and that's what God is to us. That's that same word. That's that faithfulness that God has to us. He is steady. The other word for faithful is emeth. Emeth. Um, it has similar connotations as emunah, but it especially emphasizes truth and truthfulness. And so in Scripture, when God is described as faithful, there is often this idea that God is the one, because he is faithful, he is the one who tells the truth. The word of God is true. Psalm 33, 4, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. God does not lie. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man, and this is God speaking, God is not a man who lies or a son of man who changes his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? No, he's not that kind of God. He's a faithful God who delivers on his word. Titus 1-2 describes God who cannot lie. God who cannot lie. Or Hebrews 6-18, it is impossible for God to lie. Sometimes people will say there's nothing that God can't do. That's not true. (laughs) There are some things that God cannot do, and this is right here. You see, he cannot lie. He cannot break his promise. He cannot be unfaithful. That's his character. That's his nature. He cannot go against his character or his nature. So I've given you a definition of faithfulness there in your outline. I'll put it up here on the screen. This is from this is a paraphrase from a Bible dictionary. God's faithfulness, what is it? It's his absolute reliability, his firm constancy. He is not arbitrary or fickle. He is steadfast, and he keeps all of his promises. And if you are a child of God, the promises that God has made to you are astounding. <laughs> They are absolutely incredible, and God will keep every single one of those. All of God's promises he has fulfilled or is fulfilling, or they will come to fulfillment in the future in Jesus Christ. God is absolutely faithful. A.W. Tozer writes, Upon God's faithfulness rests our whole hope of future blessedness. And that's true. We are looking for, aren't we as believers looking forward to heaven? Why? Because God is faithful. Because we know that God has promised it, and we are relying on God to be faithful to his promises. 
that he will fulfill his promises to us. We anticipate seeing Jesus because we believe God is faithful. We look forward to seeing our family and friends who have already died as believers because we believe God is faithful. We believe that we will be perfected and glorified and so forth on the basis of God's word because we know God to be reliable. We know that he will answer all of these promises, that he will fulfill all these promises. And even today, even today, believer, you should be trusting that God is with you at all times. Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So even in our dark times, even when it's dark, even when it's troublesome, we can know that God is with us because he said so. Even though it doesn't feel like it, we can know that that is a reality, that he's watching over us. If you read Psalm 89 sometime, Psalm 89 is a long psalm. And at the beginning of the psalm, the psalmist, uh, his name is Ethan, Ethan the Ezraite, uh, celebrates God's faithfulness. He says, I will sing of the faithfulness of the Lord. And he talks about all the, all the faithfulness of God for 37 verses in Psalm 89. And then at, at verse 38, he makes a switch, and he starts talking about the situation as it is right now in Israel, and it's deplorable. And he wonders where God is at. And he wonders at, you know, what God is doing, because he can't see any evidence of it at all. And the psalm ends without resolution. But he has started with the faithfulness of God, and he knows that God is faithful. So the message of the psalm is, I know God is faithful. Even in this time of struggle and darkness, I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea how God's faithfulness is being manifested, but I believe that God is faithful. And you can believe that too. When Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, he means that even at the, at the lowest point of your life, he has not left you and he has not forsaken you and he is still at work in your life. Great is God's faithfulness. So I want to say a little bit about God's faithfulness. Let's talk now about... Oh, somehow I skipped... Oh, no, that's... Never mind. Okay. We're going to come to this verse in just a second. Don't read it. Okay. That's all right. I want, I want to say a little bit about our faithfulness now. God is faithful. God is faithful, and he calls us to be faithful as well. He calls us to imitate him in his faithfulness. Matthew chapter 25, for instance, the Lord commends his servants with these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? That's what, the, that's what we want to hear when we get to heaven. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In 3 John, John commends those who are faithful to the truth. And then we come to this verse here that I already put up on the screen, Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will have many blessings, but one in a hurry to get rich will not go unpunished. So in this verse, we have contrasted one who is faithful in the first line and in the second line, one who is in a hurry to get riches. And the implication is that the one who is in a hurry to get riches is cutting corners and cheating and lying and cheating and steal, whatever, in order to get riches. That's his priority. What does God bless in this verse? God blesses the man who is faithful. God blesses the one who is faithful. The one who is unfaithful will not go unpunished. So God is looking for faithfulness in his people. Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Yeah and a couple others. 
So let me, encourage, let me just encourage faithfulness in you. Um, be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to the Lord, number one. Exodus 20, verse 3, first commandment. Do not have other gods besides me. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. Everything done for the glory of God. And you think the big stuff? No, even the little stuff. It says right there, whether you eat or drink <laughs> or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. At various points, and you know this, at various points in your life, your flesh, your sinful nature will want to do something that clashes with the word of God. At those points, who will you submit to? Will you submit to your sinful nature or will you submit to the Lord? At various points, the will of God is going to clash, conflict with culture, with the culture around us and with the will of culture, the will of culture versus the will of God. At those points, will you submit to the will of culture or will you submit to the will of the Lord? Peter and the other apostles were brought before the Jews. And the Jews told him, we don't want you to talk about Jesus anymore. Don't care what you do. We just don't want you to talk about Jesus. And Peter and the other apostles replied, Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. Let that same spirit of faithfulness dwell in you. Let that same spirit of faithfulness dwell in you. Be faithful to your word. Be faithful to your word. Proverbs 12:22 Lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are his delight. Faithfulness here is contrasted with lying. The two do not dwell together. If you are a liar, you are not faithful. And this verse focuses especially on the response that God has to this. Lying is what to God? It's detestable to the Lord. But faithful people Honest people, people who deal honestly with others, are his delight. They're his delight. When you lie, when you lie, you have sulfur on your breath. The devil is the father of lies. When you lie, you are putting a smile on the devil's face. So be a man of your word. Be a woman of your word. The Lord keeps his promise, promises. You keep your promises as well. Don't, don't promise your kids something and then not follow through on it. Don't promise your kids something and, and not follow through on it. It's better not to make the promise than to make it and not follow through on it. I've tried to be very careful of this, raising, you know, with, with my kids. And often, often I'll say, we might be able to do that. <laughs> if you tell your spouse or your coworker you're going to do something, then do it. Don't be rash with your promises. To be faithful to your word means that you don't spread your promises further than you can keep them. If this is a problem for you, you need to to cut back a little bit then on the promise making. Be faithful to your spouse. Be faithful to your spouse. No unfaithfulness. No infidelity. No infidelity. Shut down any flirting. Shut down any flirtation that comes your way. Shut down the daydreams you may have of someone else. Be devoted to your husband or your wife. And not just when you feel in love. And not just when they look good and are pleasant to be around. 
remember your, remember your vow, for better or for worse. At least I presume that was in your vows. Your vows may have been different. I don't know. Uh, traditional vows, for better or for worse. And your spouse may have, coming up that you weren't aware of, your spouse may have some big, ugly things to work through. <laughs> Be faithful to them. Help them through it. Don't reject them just because life gets difficult for them. Pray for your spouse. Learn to say, I'm sorry. Learn to say you're forgiven. Spend time with your spouse. Be faithful to your spouse. Also be faithful to your kids. Be faithful to your kids. Be their parent. Be their mom. Be their dad. Don't leave it to others. Spend time with them. Eat meals with them. Pray with them. Pray for them. Take them to church. Make sure you teach them the most important things, especially the truth, the truths of God's word. Make your home a safe space for them, a refuge. It was, you know, it's hard, uh, interesting to hear about, and it's probably no surprise to some people. But when uh, when COVID happened, and you know everybody was confined to home, and there was no school and stuff like that, it was uh, it was uh, interesting to me to hear about all the the difficulty for kids who now were confined at home all the time because getting out of home was a relief for them. Uh, getting away from home was at least, you know, six, seven hours of relief for them. How heartbreaking. You know, home should be a refuge, a, a, safe, sp- a, a, a safe space. And on this Father's Day, let me, let me just say something to the dads of this church. Um, I am impressed with the dads of this church. I I commend you for being what, from my appearances, now I don't live with you 24-7 or anything like that. So if the Holy Spirit is saying something to you, like, hey, you need to fix this or improve this, then please listen to the Spirit. But I, I am impressed with the dads of this church who, uh, from my vantage point, spend time with their kids and, and, and are investing in their kids and are seeking to tr- train their kids in the ways of the Lord and who love Love their kids' moms. Someone, put, someone anonymous turned that in. Someone put that up there on the screen. That uh, you know, the most important thing you could do for your children is to is to love their mother. And I and so my my uh, my commendation to the dads of this church um, for the way you are investing in your in your children, and also to the grandpas in this church on this Father's Day. I'm impressed with the grandparents in this church and the way they invest in their grandkids too. Um. But, you know, again, if the Spirit is convicting you in one area or another, listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just mention a few others. I'm not going to comment on these except just to list them. Number five, be faithful to your church. Be faithful to your church. Be faithful to your church family. It is, uh, there are many of you who are involved in different ministries of this church. And Pastor Ryan and I don't really have to worry about them because you handle it. <laughs> You do it. <laughs> you do it with the right spirit. You go about it in the right way. And that's great. Be faithful to your friends. Be faithful to your friends. Uh, verse 7, or number 7, not verse 7. Number 7, be faithful in your work. Be faithful in your work. Do an honest day's job. Be faithful to your employer. Your, your employer, whether he trusts you or whether he or she trusts you or not, they should be able to trust you. Uh, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Number eight there, be faithful to your neighborhood and your community. 
So we said something about God's faithfulness. We said something about our faithfulness. Let me just wrap up by talking about growing in faithfulness. Growing in faithfulness. And there's verses there, Proverbs 3, 3, and 4. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Loyalty and faithfulness should be your goal. It should be your desire. To tie them around the neck, to write them on the heart, these things should become, faithfulness and loyalty should become second nature to you. These are essential. So how, how do we become faithful? We could probably list a whole lot of ways. I'm just going to mention two. One is to ask Jesus for help. Ask Jesus for help. None of us are perfectly faithful yet. But by the grace of Jesus, we can grow into it. Every time you fall short, turn to Christ for help. Seek his grace. That's, that's what he's literally there for. That's why he's there to help, among other reasons. Run to him for his grace. He is faithful to help you become faithful, and he will help you do it. Even when you aren't falling short, seek him for his help, his grace and his help. I remember, I remember a friend, <coughs> excuse me, who's passed away now, but he went, few, he went through a few marriages, and then he came to Christ. Then he came to Christ, and his last marriage lasted a very long time. He was faithful to his wife. It, he, he became a faith, where he had been unfaithful, he became faithful. And his wife had uh, significant health issues that made his life uh, in retirement, a lot more difficult, and yet he remained faithful to her. So the Lord can do that in you. As, as you walk with the Lord, he can help you become increasingly faithful. And I'm saying that to people who I, to a lot of people in this congregation who I believe are already faithful, but I know that we all have room to grow. And let me add this as well. Study God. Study God. Study God. I, I came across the story of Nancy Alcorn recently. Some of you are familiar with Randy Alcorn. Randy Alcorn wrote a best-selling book called Heaven, and he's written The Treasure Principle and other, other books as well. So some of you know him. Anyway, his wife, Nancy, she got cancer, and life became difficult and uh, painful for her up until she died. Um, but faithfully serving God never became a chore for her, even in her illness. And she attributes that, she attributed that to studying the Lord. And I just want to show you an excerpt from her journal that Randy Alcorn shared online. It says this, Serving God in our suffering is not an assignment given to us by God. It is the natural outcome of the level of trust which has been supernaturally infused into us by God through our study of God. So the more we study the Lord, the more natural it is for us to be faithful, even in suffering. Knowing God causes us to have the perspective which ignites our hearts and controls our actions. But we, in our complacent hearts, often fail to study God. We have other priorities. We don't feel the need. Then, when suffering or trials arise, we are ill-equipped to understand and therefore not able to gain more understanding of the good purposes God has for us in it all. Faith is trust in what you have come to know is true. Faith is not instant. Faith comes from study. 
So study the Lord. Study the Lord in his word. Spend time with him. When I was a kid, uh, probably third grade, you know, in third grade, I went to Wayndale Elementary School, and the, uh, we had uh, reading books. Uh, they were, you know, books. Some of you had these. I don't know if everybody had them, but, you know, they were just books of stories, some fiction, some nonfiction or whatever. But anyway, one day we read a story. It was actually a play. It was called Damon and Pythias. Um, and uh, that story was about friendship. Uh, Damon and Pythias were friends. They lived under a bad king. Uh, and uh, they were not afraid to speak out against the unjust rule of the, day, of the bad king. And anyway, Pythias was overheard. He's brought before the king, and the king says, well, you can't say that about me. And Pythias says, well, it's true. Everybody's suffering, so forth. Anyway, the king says, okay, in two weeks you're going to die. He throws him in jail. Two weeks you're going to die. So uh, Damon hears about it, and he's distressed, and he goes and talks to Pythias. And Pythias says, oh, you know what? It's all right. I, I did the right thing. But he says, the thing is, I'm concerned about my family. I wish I could take care of my family. Long story short, Damon takes Pythias' place in jail by, by arrangement with the king so that Pythias can go and take care of, settle things at home. And then when Pythias returns, then he'll assume his place in jail and be executed in two weeks. But the king says, if Pythias doesn't return, Damon will die in his place. Damon says, no problem, I trust Pythias. Well, of course, Pythias does that, and on his way back, he's in, he encounters thieves and rogues, and, uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's delayed. And so the, the appointed time comes, and the king brings Damon, Damon out and says, ha, I knew Pythias wouldn't be loyal to you or whatever. And Damon says, I, you know, it, whatever. Ha, I have confidence. 30 minutes to go. Damon's there. He's ready to be executed. And Pythias shows up. And Pythias explains why he couldn't make it or whatever, you know, why he's, why he's so late. Anyway, the king is impressed with their friendship, and he lets them both go, and everybody celebrates. Yay, yay, yay. Okay, so the reason I told you this story, the reason I told you this story is that that story, I read lots of stories in elementary school. That's the only one that has stuck with me from elementary school. Fast forward a couple years later, fifth grade, sixth grade, me and my friend Rodney are riding bikes, and we ride down to Portage Elementary School, and we go dumpster diving. Uh, and they got school. It was just after school, and uh, the school had thrown away a bunch of textbooks. And there's that book from like three, three years ago that I read, and I recognized the cover, and I remembered that story, and I grabbed that book, and I still got that story in my office. I, I ripped the pages out of the book. The book was not in great shape, but I ripped the pages out of the book and kept that story. That story of faithfulness captured my imagination. And when I think of faithfulness, I think of Damon and Pythias. And there are other stories then through the years that have also captured my imagination when it comes to faithfulness and how it's modeled. Um, I, I say all that to say my hope is that your faithfulness exhibited in your family life and to the Lord will also capture the imagination of others. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to one who is faithful. Great is your faithfulness. We're going to sing that in just a minute. We're going to praise you for your faithfulness, and we thank you for that. And we come to one who is not only faithful to us, but who is helping us to become 
faithful as well. And that is my prayer, that your spirit would continue to apply the pressure in our lives to be faithful in our marriages, faithful in our families, faithful in our places of employment, faithful to you in every context that we come in contact with, in every context that we are a part of. And Father, I thank you. I want to thank you too for the way you have woven faithfulness into many people in this church and the way that that is exhibited and demonstrated in the way they live their lives and the way they conduct themselves here in this place of worship and among this church family. So we we crave your blessing that we might be a blessing to you and a blessing to others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.